Good to see everyone this morning. I think we have a really good number present, and we've got a beautiful day, beautiful weather. We're glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, and I got up here a little late, so I didn't get a chance to walk around and see, but if you are visiting, we're glad you're here. I hope we make you feel welcome, and I hope you'll want to come back and be with us again in the near future. We are closing out, and I am personally going to be sort of closing out, sort of segueing into the next point of emphasis of our general theme, which is, you be holy, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This particular quarter, we've been talking about our weaknesses, being holy in my weakness. And last week, we talked a lot about weakness. We talked about the whole process of sin. What happens to us? so that we um, give in to a weakness, so that we begin to sin. This morning I want to pose this as, as again, as I say, we sort of segue into the next point of emphasis. We are weak. I am weak, at least. But I want to be stronger. And I believe every faithful Christian feels this. I know my weaknesses. I know where I need to improve. I know where I come short of being what I want to be. I know my faults, etc., 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 but I really want to be stronger. And so I'm going to, this morning, you'll see some things that look familiar because I did go back and grab some things out of the quarter, but again, kind of transitioning to the whole idea of being holy in my strength, and that's what we'll emphasize in the next few months. But as we go back and think of some of the things we looked at, remember our theme verse, so to speak, or the verse that we focused on this quarter was Isaiah 6 and verse 5. And that was the whole vision of Isaiah where upon seeing God, God in all of his holiness, Isaiah began to say, Woe unto me, or woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And it may be kind of like you are. I know that the world is worldly for lack of a better term. I know that there's a lot of sin in the world, a lot of unrighteousness. And I find myself more times than I would rather giving in to that or, you know, drawn to that or thinking like the world thinks and all of that kind of thing. So Isaiah, looking at God and seeing God in all of his purity, all of his holiness, so far removed from everything we see around us, it humbled him before God. I am undone, Isaiah said. And I believe to acknowledge your separation from God that's due to your weakness. I know that I am not, you know, if I were to see a vision of God as Isaiah did, I'm not that. And I'm not there. I'm not up there, so to speak. And that may be the way we think. God is so high and lifted up, as the passage describes him there, and I'm so far down here. And I feel that. Acknowledging your weaknesses and acknowledging that those weaknesses cause a separation from God, that's where we begin. And so I acknowledge the fact that I am separated from God because of my weakness. In fact, as we said from the beginning, remember, I want to be holy in my weakness, not in spite of it. Now let me explain. I'll slow down for a second here and explain what, again, what we mean by that or what I mean by that. And that is that We can get in a habit, in a pattern, and I've talked to a number of Christians over the years that say, yeah, this is exactly the way it seems to be. I know I have weaknesses, I know I have faults, and I just sort of live with that. Not accept it, really, but it's a fact. I do things that are wrong. I live with that fact. 
I want to be stronger. I want to be over here. But what I do is I kind of just conduct myself as a Christian, doing those things that I know I should do. Yes, still doing those things I know I should not do. And in spite of those things, I live the Christian life. Now think about that for a moment. Because some have the idea, and especially when they obey the gospel, they've got all of these things that are wrong. Perhaps they've been a sinner, they've been out in the world, they've been living like the world, etc. And they kind of get in their minds that they're going to put all of that behind them and live a Christian life. Then they find very quickly it doesn't work that way. Oh, you put some things behind you. Maybe you stop some things immediately. But there are other things that seem to drag on. There are weaknesses you have. There are things you give into. There are things you repeat. There are things you find yourself asking God for forgiveness, getting to a point even intensely asking God for help to overcome those things. And some people become a little jaded to that. And what happens is they just kind of acknowledge, yeah, that's the way it is. And in spite of that, I'm going to do what I need to do over here. And that becomes an acceptable way of life. We're not talking about living a life like that. And I don't believe God is describing in the Bible that that's the way we should live. Not in spite of my weakness, but in my weakness being holy. There is a difference. And we've talked about the idea of acknowledging your separation from God. And we've talked about that that is the key to beginning. That's not the end. In fact, we're going to emphasize a whole lot of the process in the coming few months. It's not the end, but it is the beginning. To acknowledge your weakness, to acknowledge that it separates you from God, it's a key to beginning the all-important process to personal holiness. In 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, a verse that I emphasize quite a bit in the first six weeks or so of this quarter. But it is a verse in which Paul says, perfecting your holiness in the fear of God. And it's the idea of growing and getting stronger and becoming more perfect, more complete as a Christian. And there will be things you overcome, there will be things you leave behind, and you will be stronger and better and closer to God as all of that takes place. But the key to beginning is to acknowledge the weakness, not to live in spite of it, not to sort of shove it to the background and say, it's just a fact and I'm not going to worry about it. No, but in my weakness, being holy to God. Now let's go a little further in that thought. We talked about a lot this quarter, the whole process of holification, and yet, even though we talked about the fact that there is to be a process, we haven't said a whole lot about it. Because I've reserved that for going, you know, for the being holy in my strength. I think it is a great strength to be in the process of sanctification. So we're going to talk about that. But when we say the process of holification, if we were to look up sanctification in a dictionary, we'd find something like this. It is the state of growing in divine favor. Now let's stop for a moment and look at what that means. I am growing. What is divine favor? Well, it literally means God favors me. God looks with favor upon me. It's kind of like when the angel Gabriel came to Daniel in Daniel 9 and said to Daniel, Daniel, you are a man greatly beloved by God. Why would God love Daniel so much? You read that prayer in Daniel 9, it's easy to see. This is a man who acknowledged his weakness, and this is a man who did not hide the fact that he needed to be right with God, and he acknowledged the separation that weakness, sin, 
brings from God. Daniel, God loves you, and He loves you greatly. It's the state of growing in divine favor, and it comes as a result of the Christian committing after baptism. Not committing to be baptized, not committing, not committing to being a Christian, but actually the commitment that comes following baptism. If we were to go to Matthew 28, we would see that Jesus, in the Great Commission as we called it, told the apostles to go out and make disciples of all nations. What is a disciple? A disciple is a student, a learner, an adherent, someone who follows the teaching of a master. Jesus is our master. They they were told to go out and make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But verse 20, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. That's the state of growing in God's favor. The more we do all the things that Jesus wants us to do, the more we are committed to doing that, the more holy we are, the more we're favored by God. So it is the state of growing in that. It is a committed effort to become more holy, yes, in my weakness. Again, what do I mean by that? I am weak. It doesn't matter that I was baptized 40 years ago, near 39. It doesn't matter that I've been a Christian striving to learn and do the things in the Bible for those years. I'm still weak. In fact, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, who is weak? Am I not weak? If Paul, at his age as a Christian, and who he was, and what he was able to do, would admit that he was weak, who am I to say I'm not weak? Oh, I'm weak. And it may be a different set of weaknesses. You know, I may not have broken into a house and taken anything in a lot of years. It's a different set of weaknesses, but I'm weak. And I have to understand that in my weakness, the things I have not overcome, the things I have not perfected in my life that I want to be perfected, the things that are not there yet, in my weakness, I'm committing to God to put forth the effort to be more holy. I'm not saying to God, you know, in spite of the fact, God, that I do this, or in spite of the fact that I'm still that, well, I believe I'm a favored child of God. I trust you're going to carry me to heaven anyway. And you would basically say to me, don't worry about it. And so I've kind of said to myself, hey, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's not okay. The committed effort I need to have before God, not to be discouraged, not to be defeated by the fact that I still have weakness. No, but to commit to God to make the effort and put forth the effort. Like Paul would say, in Philippians chapter 3, I keep reaching. I haven't laid hold on it yet. And I'm not going to lie to myself and say that I've already attained it when I haven't. No, I'm still reaching. And that's what we're talking about here. Being holy in my weakness. Let's revisit an old friend here. The man in the mirror. I look in the mirror, I see a reflection staring back at me. Maybe Literally. I look in the mirror in the morning, my reflection stares back at me. I notice things about myself. I maybe take notice of the fact, you know you're not going to bite me, so get on out of here. <laughs> little mosquito flying around up here. Um, I take notice of the fact that what's staring back at me is a man that is 
aging, getting older. There are certain things about my face, etc., that didn't used to be there. It stares back at me. Well, I see that physically. But maybe I look deeper, and I begin to reflect. It's a new day. What am I going to do with this day? What stares back at me spiritually? In other words, I ask myself, when I look in the mirror, what do I really see? There's Michael White. You've looked in a mirror. You've seen him for years and years and years and years. He's changed over the years in some ways, and in some ways he has not changed. What do I see when I look in the mirror? I ask myself a question. Is that my picture? In other words, what is staring back at me, the reality of who I am and what I am, and not just what I can physically see, but what I spiritually see, etc. Is that my my picture? Is that the picture? Is that my story? Is it the end of the story? Is it where I am going to be all my life, in every sense, physically, etc., etc.? Is this where I am? Is that my picture? Is that my story? Or, as I ask myself, am I where I want to be? Am I where I want to be physically? Well, I'm a lot closer to it, literally, now, as I stare in the mirror, than I was four-plus years ago. But I'm not there yet. Am I where I want to be emotionally? Well, I'm older. I'm, you know, not not that, you know, guy that was, as a teenager, running around like a bomb ready to go off all the time. But I'm still not where I want to be. What about financially? What about emotion? What about romantically? Well, romantically, that's pretty well said. I'm doing all right, you know. But I mean, there are things that you look staring back at you, and you ask the question. Yeah, there are certain parts of my life that are where they want to, where I want them to be. They really are. And maybe I want, oh, fine tune that. And, you know, maybe I'll add a little bit of this and a little bit of that and detract a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But, yeah, basically. And then there are other things that I look at and I'll say, no, it's not where I want to be. There needs to be major change in my life, maybe spiritually even. But when I'm looking in that mirror and and what is staring back at me, I'm asking a simple question. Do I want a better picture? Do I want a better story? If the picture, if the story is not exactly what I want it to be at the end of the picture, the end of the story, the day I die. I thought about that this morning, even as Wes was talking. I thought about being one of those people in that crowd. I thought about things that you do and you regret. I thought about my picture, my story. And then I thought about the fact that suppose I were to die before the Lord's Supper is finished. Before this worship service is over. Now that may be morbid. You might say, man, why would you think things like that? Because I want to always be looking in the mirror. I want it staring back at me. And I want it to be saying to me, Michael, are you exactly where you want to be? And if the answer to any degree is no, I am not there. I want a better picture. I want a better story. Then the truth is, I am weak, but I want to be stronger. And that really is the truth. I am weak. It doesn't matter how far I've come. That's not even the point, is it? I want to be stronger. I want to be better. Sometimes I I love sports. You guys know that. And I listen to star athletes. The NBA Finals are going on right now. And I listen to these star athletes, and they talk about it, and they're so good. And they're idolized by people, and people think, man, that's the greatest there ever was, and so forth. And the ones that really will go down in history as being the best, you know what they're always saying? I want to be better. 
They may be 40 years old and the end of the story as a basketball player is just about over and they still want to be better. I'm still working on this or I'm still working on that. That's exactly what I want to be. I may never play basketball. You can rest assured of that. (laughs) But there are things about my life that I want the same thing. I may be in a few days 57 years old. There's still a lot that I can do. There's still a lot that I can change about my picture, my story, and that's what I want in my life. The first great step, I ask this as a question in the bulletin, the first great step toward being stronger is to acknowledge my weaknesses. We will revisit something we were talking about a couple of years ago where we assess ourselves, and I'm going to go through some of that. But we assess ourselves and we acknowledge. Now this is just between you and God. This is not that I need to write a paper and publish it to everybody in this room or the whole world or whatever, but I know my weaknesses. God knows my weaknesses. Satan knows my weaknesses. And we three live with that every day. Acknowledging my weaknesses is the first great step I take toward being stronger. Understanding that giving in to them creates this separation from God, and I don't want a separation. I want to be as close to God as is possible. I want to, throughout my life, get closer to God. And I want to be at a point when I die that I am ready for that absolute perfect fellowship and closeness with God that will come in eternity. But I've got to get ready for that. I have to come to be in a state of favor with God, growing as I should be growing. God calls me. Remember we said this a lot couple of months back and, and earlier. God calls me to come up the mountain. Go with me to the book of Isaiah if you're already there. Just turn back with me a couple of pages to Isaiah 2. And we looked at this in the first quarter, remember. And the idea that God's house, the church, Christians, are described as being those who are on the mountain of the Lord. And I kind of used that and I said... What we are doing in our lives as we are acknowledging our weaknesses and growing to be stronger and listening to God's call. And you'll find this several times in the Bible where God says, come near to me, come up to me. And so I kind of pictured the idea of God being at the top of a mountain and us struggling. I'm not going to put that picture up, not this week, but us struggling to climb the mountain. God calls me to come up the mountain. And He calls me to come near to Him. And He calls me to do that in my weakness. Now, why do I say it like that? Because God does not say to the mountain climber, get everything worked out in your life and then come to me. We might look at it like that and we might say, you know, and I've known plenty of people, I talk to them about coming to church or coming back to church. And a person would say, well, I've got this and this and this and this in my life. And when I overcome that or I get past that or I get rid of that, then I'll come to church. And I have said to those people in every single case, it doesn't work like that. You are not going to get close to God away from God. God is not saying to you, get everything worked out in your life, be a perfect individual, and then come to me. No, Jesus never said that. Jesus opened up his arms and said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You've got all of that. You need help with all of that. And the only place you're going to find help that's good enough, strong enough to overcome all of that is the Lord. 
God says, come up to me. Come, to, come near to me. Be with me. Come to me. And we're like the little child that if I can just claw my way home, I'm going to be okay. I believe that. Notice in Isaiah 2, it will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the top of the mountains and exalted above the hills and all nations will flow unto it. And that's true. And so we look at God's house and we look at the Lord as perfect and that's the way we should look at it. But notice what he goes on to say. Many people will go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of, of the God of Jacob, and he will... Teach us of his ways. Now, do you understand the order here? Not let's learn the ways of God, practice the ways of God, and then go to the house of the Lord. No, just the opposite. Let's go to the house of the Lord and let the Lord teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths. Come up to me. Come near to me, he says. For out of Zion will go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge among the nations and rebuke many people. And they will then. Beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks, etc. God is saying, come to me. Come to me in your weakness. When Isaiah went before God in that vision, and Isaiah was overcome, I am undone, God. I'm a man of unclean lips. Turn away from me. Like Peter saying to, to Jesus, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. That's not how it works. And what God did in both of those cases was to forgive, to cleanse. To enable both of those men to do the work he had for them to do. Same is true of you. Same is true of me. Acknowledging my weaknesses, coming to God in my weaknesses. Because you see, I can give up. A lot of people do. I can do less and settle for that. I'm weak. I know I'm weak. I know I'm never going to be perfect. And I settle for that. I just settled for the fact that I'm never going to be, once I looked in the mirror, once I said to myself, you will be all of this, well, I'm not, and I'm never going to be. Now, I could do that. I could take myself back to Andalusia, Alabama, 39 years ago, when I stared in a mirror and I said, if I'm going to be a Christian, then this is going to stop, this is going to stop, this is going to stop, this is going to stop. And some of those things did immediately. And some of those things did along the way. And some of them are still in the process of stopping. Because that's what it means to be a Christian. I can settle for less. I can just accept of myself that I am not where I want to be. I'm struggling, but I'm never going to be better than this. Never going to be more holy than this. And that's just the way it is. I can do that. A lot of people do. That is not being holy. I can simply say I'm weak. It's a fact. I've said it all morning. I am weak. But I can say I'm weak, and I'm not worthy, and I'm not qualified, and I'm not strong enough to make the journey up the mountain to glory. And you know what I can do? I can talk myself into saying, there's no point. No point in trying. I wonder if anybody in this room, wherever you are in life, however old you are, I wonder if you've ever said to yourself, I know I'm weak. I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm never going to be. So what's the point? I've got just so much life left. Let me get out of it what I can get. Let me enjoy life as much as I can enjoy. Let me do the things that I've been denying myself. Because what's the point anyway? 
I can do that and give up. Or I can be like those that I've been quoting this morning and saying, I know I'm weak, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep reaching. I'm going to reach as hard as I can reach. I'm going to try as hard as I can try. I can accept God's call to come to Him and begin the process of becoming stronger. And you know, I think what it takes is saying to God, I've looked at life and I've looked at what it's all about and I believe in you and I want to be with you. I won't accept not being with you, but I can't make it. I thought I could. I thought I was so strong. There have been times when I stood up as if on a pedestal and looked down at everybody around me and said, you're not strong, but I am. There have been those times. There have been times when I've sinned as bad as anybody ever dreamed of sinning, and I looked up from the mire, I looked up from the pit, and I said, God, I'll never be what you want me to be. And neither one of those is right. And so now, I'm at a point in life, now I'm at an age in life, maybe I'm at a state of mind in life where I just look at God and I say to God, I want to come to you. I want to. And I know I need to get stronger. So I beg God for help. And I just start climbing the mountain. I don't picture myself at the top of the mountain. And I don't picture myself as not at the bottom and not being able to climb the mountain. I just start. And I say to God, you know, God, I'm just going to climb the mountain. I'm going to put one step in front of me. I'll take one step at a time. And I'm going to allow you to work in my life and help me. And I know with your help, I'll be stronger. And I'll make it. That's being holy in my weakness. So if I am to do that, I need to see how God uses, how God deals with, how God expects me to deal with my weakness. But in the next quarter, we're going to discuss our strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to focus on that phrase. You'll find it in 2 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to look at things like 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 and how that I don't look at myself. You know, let him that thinks he stands take heed. Because, boy, when you think you're strong and you think you've made it and you think you've overcome, wham! Satan comes at you again. And that's life. But I'm going to look at that. And I'm going to look at this passage that Bill read for us a moment ago in James chapter 1 and talk about the fact that there is a trial of my faith. And I don't always want my faith to be tested, and I don't want it to be tried, and I certainly don't want to fail. But you know, it's necessary that it be tested. What good is it? Go back to the athlete analogy. What good is it for the athlete to lift weights and run miles and do all those things they do and practice, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of shots at a basket? What good is it if they never play the game? It's of no value. It needs to be tested. A person might say, well, if it's tested, what's going to happen is you're going to fail. You're going to be the hot shot player that everybody thinks is the greatest there's ever been. And you're going to go out one night and you're going to play a game and just bomb. Every shot you take, it misses. And people will look at you, what's the matter with this guy? What is he, you know, what's going on with him? Is there a problem in his life? I mean, people are just, they're unbelievable with the way they get carried away. And the guy is coming back and saying, no, I'm just having a bad night. It's going to be okay. But if it's never tested, there's never any growth. 
If it's never tested, there's never any encouragement, not, not that spur, not that nudge, not what it takes to say to you, get stronger, get stronger, get stronger. No, you become complacent. You even become arrogant. I'm as strong as I need to be. I'm as great as I'll ever be. I'm exactly what God wants me to be, and there's no incentive whatsoever to get any better. We're going to look at how God deals with and uses our weakness. God does not simply tell me to get over it. That's what I thought when I obeyed the gospel. You know, I, I used to say to Dale, the Bible is nothing but thou shalt and thou shalt, shalt not. And Dale would say something to the effect of, boy, do you have a lot to learn. Because that's not all God is doing, is saying do this and don't do that. So much more. God is not simply saying get over it. No, God uses it. God deals with it. God expects me to do that. God will provide opportunities for me to grow stronger. And yes, even opportunities to fail. Because even in the failure, even as things happen in my life that I see as not being good, the way things should not go, it ought not be that way, it ought not go that way, even in that as God works it together for good, if I take advantage of what God gives, I'm being molded and shaped and perfected as Peter talks about. And we're going to look at that as well. Be holy in my weakness. Be holy in my strength. Let me close out by saying this. I've got to learn, I've got to see the benefit in my weakness. Not just function in spite of it. I've got to learn, if you will, and I'll use a modern term or phraseology for it, I've got to learn to embrace my weaknesses. They're part of me. I can't just live in spite of them, deny they're there, etc. No, they're part of me. And I have to learn to function in my weakness, seeing the benefit. Because, you know, God did not create me perfect or strong. You know, as much as I want to be a braggart and, oh, you guys would have hated me as a teenager. But as much as I want to say I'm perfect, you know, and I'm this, I'm the most beautiful there ever was, etc., etc., God didn't create me perfect. And He didn't create me absolutely strong. You know, in fact, human beings are arguably the weakest of all creatures when they're born. You ever thought about that? I mean, really thought about it. There's some animals out there, and they are born with the strength to start escaping their mother because their mother eat them if they don't. You know? But humans are arguably the weakest of all when they're born. They're not the ones like the horse. A horse can stand up, usually within 45 minutes, an hour at the most, it stands up. Within a couple of hours, it is walking. It walks over to its mother and nurses. Can you imagine a newborn baby? You know, they're not born able to do anything. Except lay there and cry. You know, they're hungry, they cry. They're mad, they cry. They're upset, they cry. They're hurting, they cry. They're cold, they cry. They're hot, they cry. That's all they know how to do. That's all we know how to do. We are not perfect, we are not strong. We are not the ones who can fend for ourselves. That's what it means to be human. We have to completely depend on others to take care of us. And you see what I've got written there. There's a great valuable lesson in that. The horse may be born able to stand up and walk in a couple of hours. Some animals are born able to fend completely for themselves. 
And they are going to live their lives, and this world is all they ever have, and there is not the necessity to depend on others like there is for us. Because we were not made for this world only. We were made being people who have to depend on other people. Because ultimately, we have to depend on God. We are not going to make it if we don't learn how to depend. And I would say that's not the greatest weakness in human beings. I would say it is the greatest strength. Because the truth is, human beings are born maybe the weakest, but with more strength inside of them than any. God never said to the little alligator that has to run for its life when it's born, it never said to the little alligator, take dominion of the world. Nor did it say to the horse that is so magnificent and can stand in 45 minutes or walk in two hours or by the next day is even running. It never said to the horse, take dominion because it's not capable. But he said that to you because you are. You may start off the weakness, the weakest, but you will be the strongest. Inside of you, there is more strength than in any creation of God. You just have to learn to acknowledge the weakness and seek the strength. You're here this morning and you're not a child of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that the Lord is the one who can help you overcome everything, be everything you need to be. You'll acknowledge your belief in Him. You'll say, you know He is the Son of God. And this morning you're willing to repent. You want to change your life, live your life exactly as God wants you to live it. You'll be baptized to have all of your sins washed away, to begin a new life in Jesus Christ. You will be a child of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you look at your life and you say, man, I know I was baptized, and I know that I'm a Christian, but I'm not where I need to be. I look in that mirror, and I see someone staring back at me that I don't want to be. I need help. I need to ask for forgiveness from God, and I need the help of other people. I need to depend on the encouragement of other people. If you're here and you need to come for any reason, please come.